That's Jeremy Bryan. And that's Caroline Steele. And this is HR Alchemist. Alchemist. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. In this episode, we caught up with Aneta Kozinska. Aneta is a digital transformation consultant, and she's been preaching the benefits of work from home way before the pandemic. So this was a really interesting conversation to hear from someone who's been talking about the benefits of work from home, working remote, and also sharing some of her wisdom on how she does this with companies here in Berlin. So first of all, thank you for having me. My name is Aneta Kaczynska. I'm Polish-Canadian. I was born in Poland, and then I did my education in Canada. I have three master's degrees. Three of them are in business, but I also studied psychology, my bachelor's degree. And currently, I'm a change management consultant working with executives on change initiatives. So when executives are undergoing digital transformation, they usually talk to me and we put together a plan of action and an implementation plan that will help facilitate that change. Is that usually the change that's happening within the organization or is it also on a larger scale? Yeah, so it's usually the change that's happening within organizations. So if organizations are transitioning from manual processes, for an example, into an HR cloud solution, that's when I will come in. And currently, I'm also doing some free advising on working from home just to help that transition. It's a tough time right now. And since I've been working from home for the past eight months, I I feel like I have a lot to offer the community. And so I've been advising on that as well. So in advising people from working from home, what are some positive behaviors that you've noticed that people adopt while working from home? Um, I know you've mentioned something about having boundaries, but what's something that's essential for working from home? And where do you start? What sort of advice do you give? So I would say make sure that you have rituals for the beginning of your day and the end of your day. I like to start my day with what I call the full four. Full as in things that will fill me up and four just because there's four of these things that you need to do. So the first one would be moving your body. Second one is clearing your mind. Third one is reviewing your goals. And the fourth one is cleaning up. So moving your body, you actually only need to do this for about 20 minutes a day. And you'll get the same mental and emotional benefits as if you were doing this for an hour. So anything like we're a a small workout program at home, going for a quick run, or even like a high-paced walk around the block is sufficient. And then clearing your mind, you could do this for about 10 minutes And it's basically taking a time to meditate or taking a time to look at your Bible verses or just do something that will help you clear out the junk that's happening in your mind and connect more so with your heart. The third one is reviewing your goals. So really try to bring to top of mind what is it that you need to be doing that day. Psychology tells us that we can only hold about three to four things in our minds consciously at a time. So you really need to bring that top of mind before you start your day. And then cleaning up is just getting ready for the day, making sure you feel good. There's this concept in psychology called enclosed cognition. And I think it refers to something about, you know, the clothes that you wear determine your frame of mind. 
And I read a story once, I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert in a book, she refers to an 18th century novel about a, a writer called Tristram Shandy. And in the novel, the writer always dresses in his finest clothes before he sits down to write. And the reasoning was that, you know, when you show up to your work in your best attire, it sort of gives you a more professional frame of mind. Um, and I'm sort of connecting that with what you said earlier with your rituals and the full four and the fourth part being cleaning up. To me, that's sort of, you know, cleaning up to prepare for the day, like you're, you're putting your best foot forward in a way. Yeah, so I actually didn't know if there was any psychology backing that fourth full four of cleaning up. I just do it because it makes me act in a way that I want to act when I'm at work. So it's interesting that there's actually psychology behind that. And you also seem to be someone that thrives on discipline schedules. So, you know, your, your morning and evening rituals, you seem to have a rhythm to your day and you seem to stick to it quite regularly. What's the value for you of having these strict routines? So I think if you're trying to develop any habit, so a positive habit, uh, and a habit takes around a month to develop, you need to have a routine. And you need to stick to it because it's really easy for you to lose a habit. I think it only takes about seven days. So it, just ensuring that you know exactly what you're doing in the day and you have pockets of time that you're doing activities that will contribute to your productivity, to your motivation, to your mood, to your happiness is really important. I also think that it gives you some quick wins. For an example, with a full four, before I even start my work day, I know that I've done four really good things for myself. And I can sort of give myself a pat on the back for accomplishing those things. You don't necessarily have to plan everything. So in my day-to-day -day work, I'll have things that require a lot of mental energy and are really taxing. And I would rather use the energy that I have to plan that stuff rather than planning, you know, what I'm going to eat in the first few moments of waking up or, or when I'm going to go to the gym or when I'm going to get my eight hours of sleep. So the things that I know that are really important for me outside of work, I just try to schedule and try to optimize so that I can actually have the focus and the time to do the things at work that need to be done. One of the questions says that you won't work from home in sweatpants. And how does uh, clothing make a difference to work performance? So I actually started to work from home in sweatpants. I went through that process at the beginning. And it was really comfortable. But then I remember just catching a glimpse of myself in the mirror one day and just thinking, I feel like I'm going backwards rather than forwards. So back when I was in high school, I did competitive cheerleading. And when we were in practice, we would always be wearing athletic gear. And when we would exit the gym and we were exhausted, just wanting to drive home as fast as possible and go to sleep because we were really tired, we would obviously put on sweatpants and just go home. So when I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror one day in these sweatpants, it kind of brought me back to that mindset. And I just told myself that I don't actually want to feel that way. What I want to feel when I enter into my workday is, you know, focused. I want to be confident. I want to be courageous. I want to be bold. And none of these were really conducive to me wearing sweatpants. So I just thought, what is it that I need to be wearing in order to help facilitate me feeling all those things that I want to feel? And so, yeah, I don't wear sweatpants. I make sure that I get dressed for the day and 
feel confident and look as if I was going into an office rather than just sitting at home. I think what's complicated about working from home is you're constantly in the same space, in the same room. And so you really need to give yourself these mental transitions or mental separations, even if they're not there. So waking up in the morning and being in your pajamas or being in your comfy clothes is fine for the first bit. But once you start working, using your clothing to help you mentally switch into that work mode is actually really helpful. In the past few months, there's been a lot of hype about the personal productivity while working from home and how companies have been trying to facilitate this process better. From your perspective, what specific leader behaviors can do to support successful work from home transitions? It's probably important for leaders to look at it from multiple dimensions. So you can look at it as, does my team have the appropriate tools in order to flourish in this working from home environment? Are the processes set up? Are they clear? Are they strict? Do people know exactly when they need to be handing over things to whom? And also, am I taking care of my people just from like a, a mental and an emotional state? So some tools that I've seen people use to help with the transition from working from home has been one, a chat tool. So Slack, for an example. Two, a file sharing tool. So Google Docs or even Teamwork. Three, a conferencing tool, so Zoom, like we're using right now, or Teams, and then a project management tool. Some people are using Trello, some people Asana. I've uh, talked to someone who works in a big corporation who's working with Monday.com. So just having those four set up crisp and clear will give you a good start. And then when it comes from the processes, there's an interesting pyramid by the name of Kassler Team Pyramid, and you can just make sure that you're going through the four levels that he's identified in order to make this working from home environment productive. So the first one is goal orientation and commitment. Does everybody on your team know what they need to do? Are they committed to doing that? Level two is task accomplishment and development. So are they actually accomplishing what they're setting out to accomplishing? And who are they passing this, this task along to in the future? And are they developing themselves in that process? Level three is communication and cohesion. Are people talking? Are they communicating with each other? Are they not afraid to ask for what they need? Are they meshing well with each other? And then level four is assumption of responsibility and engagement, which is, is everyone engaged and has a sense of ownership and is really driving what they need to drive forward. And the, the person who introduced this team pyramid to me, seems Christian, he said that if you do level one, two, three successfully, level four actually falls into place quite well. So making sure your processes are in place. And then also from a people perspective, working from home is really good for productivity and for work satisfaction based off of the studies that I've been reading. But one thing that usually does come up is people's sense of isolation and people's sense of loneliness. So really just making sure that you're staying on top of that and having little things like water cooler moments where you're connecting one-on-one -on -one about things like what's happening with the leadership team, like what type of decisions are they making, how is it going to affect you, 
Are there any updates? And even just being open to the idea of embracing working from home. So I find that if leaders have kids coming into the screen, just making sure that other people on their team are feeling like it's okay. And it's just a way of life right now, because if they feel like it's, it's okay for the leader, then they will also feel like it's okay for them and they won't have to feel stressed and, and all of that. Some leaders have actually been giving their employees a monetary gift, a certain amount of money so that they can help them set up their work from home space if they don't already have one. I think that's going over really well. Yeah, just having those one-on-one conversations with people and just being open that you're also feeling a certain way and you're also maybe missing your your family or just sharing like a common struggle is usually a way to connect. And I think in these times right now, it's really important to have those connecting moments and not just be the constant Hercules leader that's driving things forward and is focused on the bottom line. You really have to take those moments to connect. I feel like a lot of leaders don't feel like they can be vulnerable and do all the stuff that you're saying. So I think it's really, I do think that's important. And uh, everything you said sounded like spot on. Well, it's, it's tough, right? If, for an example, you are a high-performing leader who has built a career on, you know, just going after goal after goal after goal and just sprinting constantly, it's kind of hard to just take a step back right now and understand that your team requires a different type of leadership at this moment. Of course, your team will need someone who is future focused, who doesn't get caught up in the details and is constantly trying to find ways to bring in sales. But what people actually need is that connection time. I went to an interesting webinar and it was about Hercules meets Buddha. And that's the type of leadership that is being required right now because you need to be that strong figure driving things forward, but you really need to also be, be the Buddha, the one who asks inquisitive questions, who sits there with non-judgment, who's who's open, who's vulnerable, who connects one-on-one. And I think businesses are going to need to see a lot more of that stuff because it's inevitable, right? You started off by talking about the four major tools and you said you need a chat, you need a conference tool, you need file sharing and project management. And I think most companies have by now figured out that they need those four. But, you know, companies that have very quickly moved to work from home have had to kind of scramble to get these four tools set up. Exactly. Communication when you work virtually is a little bit more difficult. So it's easy in a sense because you know exactly what you want to get out of the person or you know exactly what you want to get out of the meeting and you can be very direct. But it's also difficult in moments when you have to give constructive feedback or have those conversations that just, they're just a bit more tough. But if you have a process put in place for how to give feedback or how to say something that a person might take offensively in a non-offensive way, this really goes a long way. And you also mentioned water cooler moments, which is, I think, part of the communication. Uh, What have you noticed? You know, what are some simple ways that people can continue having those water cooler moments online? Yeah, so I know a team who actually calls water cooler moments a water cooler meeting. So they meet um, once a week for 30 to 45 minutes and they just chat. They're all on video and they're all just 
chatting about their life or they're talking about what is it that they're a little bit uncomfortable with right now and if anybody else has solutions and just trying to, to connect that way. And leaving the work out of it, I think there's so many opportunities at work to just constantly be talking about, are we ready for this timeline? Have you done your part? I need that from you right now. And, and it, it gets kind of transactional, like I mentioned. But if you just have those moments to just connect them, um, people do Friday beers, right? 5 p.m. Friday beers, and they get on video conferencing and they just all have beers together and just chat. People do, you know, lunch and learns where somebody sends over food like with Uber Eats or something to, to everybody's house and they enjoy a meal while they're learning together about something that's not relevant to the work that they're doing. I know some people who do those all-hands meetings every Fridays that are usually dress-down days. They actually start to dress up so you see everybody in like a suit and tie. Just, yeah, making it a bit more engaging, making it a bit more relaxing, something that you can do that's fun to get people united. Have you guys... I heard of anything that people are doing? I was going to say, I like, I like this idea of suit and tie Fridays. Me too. <laughs> I was like, I in Berlin, cool. that, would be, that would be very unusual. Um, also, I've heard yeah. of companies doing like group activities, like they have to separate into groups of two and uh, do an activity together, and then they're going to bring it back to the team and tell them about it. Mm. Sounds kind of nice. Like cool. to, to pair up people on sort of randomly too. Maybe you wouldn't necessarily even norm in everyday work life have the opportunity to really engage with that person. So yeah. One of the clients that we worked with recently started doing the Friday beers early this year, and they were doing that because they had uh, engineers working from remote locations, and they wanted to kind of connect with everyone. So they started this habit of having Friday beers, and then in March when uh, everyone was sort of working remotely. It became really easy to switch Friday beers to Friday breakfast and they mm. made it a company-wide uh, breakfast. And, you know, because they were already in the rhythm of doing that, it was easy for them to switch. So, you know, just taking something that you're already doing and maybe scaling it up a little bit more to make it all-inclusive really helps. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I recently also attended a thing called SEMS Drink. So I did my master's program with SEMS. Basically what SEMS is, is they partner with one of the best business schools in each country. And then based off of your extracurriculars and your GPA and your work experience and all that, they rotate you to different countries based off of the school ranking. So naturally, we're all distributed anyways, and we're just trying to find ways to connect with each other virtually as well as in person. What we did when we were back in SEMS was these things called running cocktails, so at night, people would split out into groups of two to four, and they would be responsible for one part of a meal. So say, for an example, the aperitivo, somebody will organize this and they host a bunch of people over. And then after this time is over, they will go over to the next person's house and that person will host them for maybe drinks and then go over to the next person's house and they'll host you for dessert and things like that. And then you meet at the end and all connect. And they actually put that together virtually over Zoom. So they had these breakout rooms when you were partnered with two to four people and that was your team. And then every 15 minutes, another group of people would come into your meeting room and you would just talk about 
whatever you wanted. And this would go on for an hour and a half. And it was actually such a great connecting experience. I would have never thought that you could do something like that virtually, but it was awesome. We had music playing. We were chatting about, you know, the good old days, how everybody's feeling right now. And at the end, we all got together for a group photo and some, you know, appreciation. Thank you so much for organizing this. And it, it was really awesome to have something like that just to connect. That sounds really awesome. And it's, it's so cool that this is, these are the sort of things that are happening right now because we're finding other ways to connect when we can't in person. And like, even with my family, we've been having really massive video chats, which we never, ever did before. We never communicated. And so I'm wondering, like, while most people are talking about going back to normal, maybe we can look towards what the new normal is and what are some changes that are currently happening in workplaces that you would like to or imagine will remain the same like in a year from now? Yeah, that's a good question. I think we're seeing that business decisions and business processes can actually work remotely and companies used to think that it wasn't possible that they couldn't get on a workshop online and not have to all fly from all parts of the world into one country in order to have, you know, a three hour meeting, have the handshake, sign off the contract and fly back. There's workshops happening right now. There's decisions happening right now in the workplace and it's all being done remotely. It's all being done digitally. And I think this will probably be the, the new future. There are some things that are just really great in person. Just connecting one-on-one, seeing the person and talking about things outside of work and building a foundation of trust. I think that's still easier to do in person rather than it is virtually. We are adjusting. But there are things like the communication, the updates, the check-ins, they can all be done virtually through the phone, through WhatsApp voice notes. A lot of people aren't using voice notes to their full capacity. In my master's program, everyone's on voice notes because it's a lot more personal. It's more personal than a text. But then again, you don't have to call the person and miss them completely. You just say what you have to say or say what you want to say, and then they'll get back to you whenever they need to. Just really having that blended approach is probably going to be the new normal. I also am hoping that the meeting structure will stay the same. So when you work in a virtual environment, you have to be very specific with what you want to get out of the meeting. You pick a time and you send out a Zoom link and you have an agenda set. You know what questions to ask. You know what you want to get out of the meeting. You know what connections you want to make. And you don't necessarily have another chance at it. You can't just walk over to the person's desk and be like, oh, I missed a point. Can we just talk about it? So you really have to plan far in advance. So the meetings are very, they're they're tight and efficient. And so I think this is something that I hope will translate in the future, whether that we meet in person or whether we continue to meet virtually. I really hope that in the future, after all this is over, people give kudos and really notice how much HR is a warrior team. Leaders in HR right now are having to digitally transform their organizations practically overnight. They are dealing with really tough things like layoffs and making sure that they're showing up with compassion and with empathy. They are making sure that they're doing 
things like those water cooler moments that they're engaging with their people and that they're making sure that not everyone is feeling alone right now. And these are really critical things that you need to accomplish when you're transitioning to a working from home environment, specifically in this Corona environment, because that's really going to be what makes your team click, what makes your team stay, and eventually what makes your company profitable and productive. So hats off to all HR executives, leaders out there. You guys are doing an amazing job. And I think this is a perfect moment for those leaders to finally get the recognition that they deserve. Well, thanks a lot for joining us again. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. We certainly did. And until the next episode, stay safe, keep smiling and enjoy the sunshine.